Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. I've been in my back for a while, I'm invincible. Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you special. I had some who dreams of right rounds for my mentor. Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil. Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly. Now it's playoff time, and the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. And our partner, Bet Online, is your number one source for football odds. That's trends and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade. Bet online is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to bet online and join today to get into all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. All righty, guys, we are back with another episode of the what's in your bag podcast presented by bet online. As always, my name is Andrew Robinson and we're joined by our Wonderful, wonderful host, Alexis Davis. Alexis, thank you for coming on the show today. Glad to have you back. Happy to be here. (laughs) Now, before we introduce our special guest for today, you guys know we got to get the business out of the way first. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, drop a comment, and goes a long, long way in uh, getting this show out to the people who love us and who need to hear it. If you're hearing this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Again, give us some feedback. It goes a long, long way. That was my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the intro. It's going to be him as well on the outro. Make sure you guys are streaming his music, one of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of the DMV. But now that we got the business out of the way, um, as you guys can see, we are joined by a special, special guest today. Um, if you guys are tuning in this, you guys... I already know that this is somebody who is super, super influential in the basketball space, uh, somebody who we are super excited to have on and talk about her, what the experience from hooping to content creation, uh, influencing, all the above, hosting. Um, we are honored and excited to have infamous Casey on the podcast today. Casey, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. No doubt, no doubt. Now, we're just talking a little bit off air kind of about your uh, your upbringing, just like being from being from Seattle. And I want to give you kind of opportunity to talk about what's 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 the vibes like out in Seattle now. I know it's the wintertime. I know I'm, I'm out here on the East Coast and Alexis is out in Arizona. So I know she's probably got the best weather out of all of us. But what is wintertime in Seattle looking like right now? Uh, right now, like literally right now, it is wet and rainy. Um, I know people think it rains like all the time and it does rain a lot. But it doesn't rain as much as people think. So, and maybe that's just me because I live in Seattle. But like I've been in other cities where it's like pouring rain. Like here it's like a little drizzle, a little sprinkle. Like we don't use umbrellas out here. So, you know, it's wet. Um, but yesterday, like during the day, honestly, though, today was pretty like sunny. So I guess it just varies. Hmm. No umbrellas is, is is very bold for, for, for Seattle. I feel like I'll be out there just braving the conditions. Right. If you use an umbrella, it's like basically saying like you're not from the city. Wow. Let me, let me write that in my notes. Those <laughs> <laughs> that go out to Seattle. That's that's dope. So um, obviously, I, I don't know if you got a chance to see this yet, but as of this recording, uh, the All Star roster has just got announced uh, for the NBA. I think it's been a, a couple couple first time All Stars. Tyrese Maxey, uh, Jalen Brunson made it. Are you planning on heading out to All Star Weekend this year? I will be headed out to All-Star Weekend. Um, this will be my uh, 
fourth all-star weekend i think i did chicago right before um the before covid hit um and then we did cleveland utah and then obviously this year we're going to indiana Liddy, Liddy. what's your favorite part about all-star weekend would you say what are you most looking forward to about this year in india it's been crazy because we've had all these small markets cleveland uh we had charlotte a few years back utah indiana so um, what are you what are you most looking forward to this year um I always for me the thing I look forward to the most is like linking up with all of my friends and fellow creators fellow people in the sports space um it's kind of like one big like basketball reunion and everyone is just kicking it hanging out like I, I I like being busy when I'm not in Seattle just because I feel like it's like a high for me because I don't I'm like complete opposite when I'm in Seattle so when I'm like in another city I have like this crazy burst of energy and like all-star weekend is like back to back to back stuff and you're like literally moving from one thing to the other to the other to the other and it's just so fun and you're literally seeing everybody people you haven't seen in years people you haven't seen in months um and it's just a really cool link up and there's so many really cool activations and um brands that are there um and then a lot of times like with brands you get to actually like put a face to like a name or people that you've been emailing back and forth with um so it's just a really cool uh you know weekend to like catch up with people and then obviously like hit the parties because it has been in smaller markets a lot of people have been doing big parties but obviously next year it's in the bay and the following year it's in los angeles so um it'll pick back yeah and um like i mean after covid i think people were kind of like weary about like how many people would show up for all-star weekend and things like that but like i said i think it'll ramp back up that's it that's it. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to get the sauce from you. I'm. I actually literally just booked my flight today to All Star Weekend, so I'm. I'm yeah. going to the first one this year. So you're gonna have to give me the rundown on uh, the All Star Weekend ins and outs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My biggest tip, if you're going, is literally just try to hit every event you can. And I, like, even if it's like just showing face at things and just meeting people. Like, even at WNBA All Star, we were like thirty minutes, hour in everything. Like, cause everything like starts to overlap, especially like on those like days approaching the game. I know like usually stuff starts like Thursday. It's like kind of like the welcoming, right? Friday, things start to ramp up. Saturday, things start to ramp up. And then usually everybody leaves like Sunday night. So there's not too much going on that night because um, a lot of people like to get out of there as soon as the game is over, um, wherever it's at. But yeah, my thing, I think I would just, if you are going to All-Star Weekend, just honestly try to hit up every and any event that you can um, and just like, like kind of plan your time out. And I make sure I have everything in my calendar, like what is going on. And then I kind of like either like schedule it or like weigh out my options if there are like two things that conflict, but. Got my notes out for sure. Yeah. Got my notes out for sure. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit. So I know obviously um, going from the All-Star Rigging kind of changing gears, I want to talk about your basketball career because before there was infamous Casey and the content creation and the influencing right it was the Hooper and I want to talk about that aspect I know Seattle is a, a rich basketball um city me being from the DMV and Alexis you know we're with a DMV loyalists we're both from Maryland so we got obviously Kevin Durant Quinn Cook Carmelo Anthony we have a rich basketball tradition but Seattle has a bunch of hoopers as well, you know, from Jamal Crawford and Isaiah Thomas, DeJounte Murray, you got Paolo Bancaro now. I mean, it's a bunch of guys, Zach Levine. So I just want to talk to you about, I guess, that hoop culture for you growing up in Seattle and playing basketball and, um, you know, just what, what your early days can, can, what can you remember from your early days hooping? 
Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned, Seattle is a very, has a very rich basketball community. Um, a lot of talent here, um, like athletes per capita, like, you know what I mean? Like, obviously we're a smaller city, um, but the talent here is amazing. And I, maybe it's because there's not that much to do. So a lot of people spend time in the gym. Um, but growing up, it was always, it was, it was, I'm, I'm kind of older than some of those guys you named, uh, but definitely that like Isaiah Thomas, um, uh, age bracket, um, it's always been a very rich basketball community. Obviously we didn't have social media back in the day like that to highlight the guys like they are able to now. And in the past, you know, like five, 10 years. Um, but it's, it's really cool to have grown up in the city. I mean, you have players like Brandon Roy, Nate Robinson, obviously those are a little bit of older guys. You know what I mean? I know you named Jamal Crawford and things like that. Jason Terry is from uh, Seattle. There's a ton of players that you could name um, that are from here. And I mean, it's just a special community because it is so small. You know what I mean? Um, and regardless of like really where you played in high school or whatever, like that AU scene, I know it's not the same as it used to be, but, you know, you had a ton of great players on, you know, solid AU program teams. I'm kind of interested to know just like what the culture of like the Seattle storm is there. I know like WNBA markets and NBA markets are like so different because I feel like the NBA doesn't have to fight as hard to establish fan base. So just like with you being there, like what have you noticed the culture of the storm being there? Yeah. So, uh, not sure if you guys know or not, but I started off um, as a ball girl for the Seattle Storm in 2003. So was, when I was a freshman, that was my first job. Um, and so I was a ball girl from 2003 to 2011. And so like when I went to college, I still did ball girl stuff um, during the summer. And then when I graduated, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then they hired me as the equipment manager and video coordinator. So I've really seen the WNBA go from like point A to like point B you know what I mean and it's the growth has been insane um obviously we do not have an NBA team anymore and Seattle fans just in general of sports is insane like I probably maybe am biased that I'm not insane that like Seattle has like one of the best fan bases but like when I would sit behind benches at the WNBA games like when I was the ball girl we did water and everything like that you know what I mean and I would sit behind benches and players would literally say like I hate playing here like it is too loud it is so hard to play here you know what I mean and you know when like people always say like oh Seattle has the best fans or like you know people go to concerts and they're like oh yeah and they say every city has the best fans but I've literally heard players say like I hate playing here because it's so hard because the fans here are just so loud and so rich and so you know it's really nice because the Seattle, we're lucky that the Seattle Storm has had a great team for, or they're rebuilding right now. You know what I mean? But they had a really great program for such a long period of time. You know, we have championships under our belt. I said we like I played. Seattle has championships under their belt. You know what I mean? And so they've been able to, they, they have their own fan base. They call them Storm Crazies. Um, and just, I think that Seattle's just very prideful, uh, like other cities, but like Seattle, I don't know how to explain it. It's just different. And they really just support really all the sports here. And I think because we don't have an NBA team, it's that much more important that they support, you know, the storm. But again, the storm has literally created their own fan base just because of like what they've done for the community. You know what I mean? And just how they've not only put on for like basketball, but women's basketball. 
So how do you, speaking of Seattle and the Seattle Storm, WNBA France is going on right now, and uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith just announced she's going to the Seattle Storm. How do you feel about that? I'm excited. I'm very excited. I think that uh, Seattle, and if there was an interview too where Jewel Lloyd was asked, you know, like, what what does the team need? And her main thing was like, we need a point guard. Um, and I think Skylar Diggins is a true point guard. I think she'll be, you know, she's a vet in the league now. I think that she'll be a great asset to the team. Um, again, like I mentioned, Seattle's kind of been in like a rebuild uh, since like Sue left, Brianna has left, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that they, they always somehow like pick themselves up and figure it out. And, you know, maybe they have a couple of years down, but then they figure it out. And so I have no doubt that the team will be great again. And, um, I think she's a great asset to the team and she'll be good. Now, if you had to describe your personal basketball game, take us back to the Hawaii Hilo days. How would you describe your game? If you could, if you could compare yourself to a player today, uh, who would that player be? Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily uh, compare myself to a player like currently, but in high school, my high school coach used to call me the kid after Jason Kidd. Obviously, it was not nearly as good, but just like I was a true point guard. Um, I looked to... I was looking for an assist before I was looking to score. Um, and so my coach is always telling me, like, I used to play on Jason Kidd. And so, again, he would call me the kid. I, I see, like, what he means just in the relation to, like, how we played and our style of play. Um, but, yeah, I was just a, a really solid just through and through point guard. And uh, coming out of middle school, I was, like, a I was a scorer. When I got to high school, my role changed. And I – my high school coach just didn't really get out of me what like my AU coaches did in middle school. And so I kind of, my, my whole game changed. And then I turned into like a defensive like leader um, while still maintaining like being a point guard. And so um, it definitely was different because I was so used to being a scorer and then going into high school changing and then going into college, it was like, okay, like you need to be like all around like, player like we need you to score we need you to get assists we need you to play defense we need all of that like not just one not just you know what I mean and so my role was like going back and forth and like I said I just had issues with my high school coach that I just didn't feel like he got the best out of me and so yeah my role's just it was just weird going back and forth like obviously in basketball we know you need to score right but it was just like it was just different yeah you you kind of you mentioned that you felt like that relationship was kind of um, kind of like pulling a little bit, like you're pulling, he's pulling a little bit. So like, even, even though like, obviously your basketball career didn't stop in high school. So like, how did you kind of work around that to still stay consistent? Because you did obviously end up playing at the next yeah. level. And a lot of people, you know, they dream, a lot of people say they dream for the WNBA, but just getting to college is also like a big feat. So like, how did you kind of say, okay, my coach is not really doing what I need them to do, but I still love the game. I still want to play at the next level. So here's my checklist for what I need to do to make sure that I am going to school as a scholarship player and still playing basketball. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, Because so my, my high school coach, we came, it was really, it was kind of crazy. So I went to a K-12 um, growing up. Um, so K through eight, I was at the same school. My dad was the PE teacher there. And um, in middle school, again, like I mentioned, I was a score. The high school coach at the time when I was at that school is the, I, I loved watching him coach. I would 
practice with the high school girls when I was in middle school, he ended up taking the job at the high school I was going into. So we both basically came in at the same time. So he came in as the head coach at the high school I transferred to, and I was coming as an incoming freshman. So I thought it was going to be great. Um, he didn't have like the school he came from. I don't know how you guys do your schools, but like it goes like small schools, so, like it goes like B and then it goes A, AA, AAA, and then uh, 4A schools, mm-hmm. 4A being the biggest. So he went from coaching at a B school to my high school as a 4A. So he literally went from the smallest to the biggest. And so he really didn't understand um, like letters and colleges and how all the recruitment stuff worked. And so it would, it, it was literally my, if I didn't have my parents and, you know, AU, like that is where I got all of my, um, like, that's where I was like seen. I was going to like the, the camps and all that stuff. And I was playing in uh, tournaments, you know what I mean? Where college coaches were. And so if it wasn't for me, like taking matters into my own hands and going and playing for like, and at, in high school, I was like playing for like two or three AU teams at once, just because I was trying to get as much exposure as I could. Um, and so that is like where I got my, um, that's where I was like seen by colleges. Unfortunately, I don't, again, I don't know how it is now, but like my, the schools were sending all the letters to my high school and my high school coach was not getting them back to me. So that I really believe that is why I ended up at a D2 just because like I was getting letters and my coach was not giving them to me. So in these college eyes, right, there's like thousands of players that are trying to go to these schools and they're recruiting. If so-and-so is not responding to the letters, that means they're not interested, right? But I'm not even knowing that these letters are coming in. And I didn't find out until like late into my senior year, right? And so by the end of my senior season, I was playing in like all these AU turns with my AU teams. I was starting on a team where every single girl on my team went D1. You know what I mean? But they were going to high schools that knew how to like push out and feed to like, you know what I mean? They knew what they had to do to get their players out. And so unfortunately like I'm not gonna blame him or anything like that but everything happens for a reason but if it wasn't for me like going outside and playing AU and like doing my own due diligence I don't think I would have ended up even playing in college or I would have probably had to go to like a JC and then transferred out and try to get into a D1 so yeah sorry that's my dog that uh that COVID <laughs> dang that man was we bit the wheel that's crazy I mean I loved him like great guy he just like I said, we came in together, he was coming in and it just, he didn't know how to like get his players to the next level. So. But I think, unfortunately, that's a big part of why a lot of people don't kind of go to that next level. And that's something that I've realized kind of playing overseas is like a lot of people who have so much talent, right? Maybe they don't make it because they didn't have a good agent or somebody couldn't get a division one scholarship because they didn't play for the right AAU team or, you know, their college coach, did some something crazy, you know what I mean? Or high school coach, excuse me. Um, I think it's unfortunate that a lot of kids kind of get left just to the side or get left behind because of situations like that. But it, I think it says a lot, like Alexis said, to her point that you were able to kind of persevere through that and still have a four-year college career and, and play and, and graduate and everything. Um, yeah, I think a lot too is like, I went to like inner city school. So like, I think also too, like lack of resources. And that's still, I think a, think a thing now too is like, some parents just don't know, you know what I mean? And some um, kids don't know, some coaches don't know. And it's a lot of like lack of resources, lack of education on, you know what I mean? What other kids can be doing. And I think now, you know, with the power of social media too, like, you know what I mean? Like there's other ways you can be seen. There's other ways you can contact all those things. And so I do think there's a lot more resources now, which is great. Um, 
obviously back when I was that was an option it was literally letters in the mail and if you were not returning those letters that meant you were not interested so well I'll go ahead Lexi you got a question oh no I was just gonna say you mentioned too that your dad was a PE teacher um so just like when it came to kind of navigating these different colleges and that so did he kind of help you or like did you have siblings to where like he knew that this worked with them so he did that with you like how did you all kind of work together to still make sure that it was happening for you because then too like I'm sure back then like um not huddle but like whatever the equivalent for basketball is like like that wasn't really popping like that because we're still talking about letters and things like that so like how did that correspondence go between you dad and said school yeah, uh, that's actually kind of funny that you ask, which probably tells my age, obviously. Um, and now I'm thinking about it. It's so cringe that I think about it. No, like literally my, well, my dad was a PE teacher. Um, and, you know, like we had to do all these like AU sanctioned things. Obviously, like we had to make sure that we were like NCAA certified. You know, like we had to do all those things. Again, I don't know how it is now. Um, but I was just blessed that again, that my parents were very persistent with things. They asked questions, you know what I mean? And again, they put me in these AU programs that were like elite AU programs. Like my AU team in eighth grade, we placed ninth at nationals. Like we were like undefeated for like two years straight. You know what I mean? So I was in programs with coaches and players that like they had past players that they had like pushed through to like colleges and things like that you know what I mean and so again I was very blessed that I was playing on these AU teams that had programs that knew how to you know contact college coaches or get us in the tournaments to be seen by these college coaches and I remember my senior year um so I went to UH Hilo I ended up signing with them and I was there for four years they play their the head coach at UH Hilo was also coaching an AU team um she was actually like the interim coach for UH Hilo until they found like a full-time coach and so she was coaching AU she was coaching a Hawaii program we were playing this UW at this tournament at University of Washington and they were like the only Hawaii team and obviously me being like Asian American like my parents were like super intrigued by like oh my god there's other Asians and you know other you know there's Islanders my dad always, everyone always thinks he's like Hawaiian. So like we were super drawn to like that team and like everybody was super excited to like watch them play like in the tournament. Um, and so my dad ended up like chatting with the coach and she mentioned that she was the interim coach at UH Hilo and they kind of like exchanged information. Um, and again, like I said, so everything was like letters at the time. And I remember my dad made me, oh my God, it's so cringe. He made me like film this like fundamentals like video because he met this guy who like got his daughter into like college she played volleyball but he said he got her in because he like made this like video of her doing like all the fundamentals to show she could do like like she could hit she could set she could pass she could serve all that stuff and then he sent that out to like to colleges just to like get her out there and so this again like sending physical dvds in the mail to these colleges and so my dad made me do like a video like that but for basketball and was like sending them out to colleges and um like that like I'm, i don't think that went anywhere but i'm, I'm just kind of like telling you like how it was back then like of how he was just trying to help like do anything that he could think of and um again last minute we just stayed in touch with that coach she has scholarship available and i Pretty much my only option at that time was to go to a junior college. I did get a letter from USC that was like, we have all our scholarships filled up, but like you could potentially walk on. 
that really wasn't an option for me. Um, and so I just ended up signing in Hawaii. Definitely a hell of a story. Um, I want to, I want to get into kind of the transition, right? Going from the basketball into the content space. So you graduate from UH, uh, ELO and, what do you, I think the hardest part for any Hooper is like, what's next, right? Because basketball has been your whole life, your whole identity growing up, you know what I mean? And then you have to kind of make that transition into that next phase. You mentioned a little bit earlier how you were, you know, ball girl for the Seattle Storm and like, they gave you your, your first job, you know what I mean? So when you're out of college um, and you're trying to figure out what's next for you, like how do you end up getting into the content space? Because I feel like even then, um, if I remember correctly, I think you what, graduated, well, 2010, 2011, or 2011, 2012, one of those two years. Yeah, it's 2011. So, like, I feel like that's even then before really like Instagram and, and, and social media was really popping. You know what I mean? So, what did you kind of do when you first got out of college to kind of figure out what was next for you after basketball? Yeah, I mean, I had been playing basketball since I was in first grade. I don't think I ever had like fully free weekend. <laughs> Um, for as long as I remember, because like I mentioned to you guys, I was playing on like three AU teams at once. And that was like from middle school through high school. Like I was just playing on any team that I could just to get the exposure. Um, and so when I finished college, I knew I, I was like so burnt out. Like part of me wanted to go try to play overseas in like China or Japan or somewhere where I could like potentially dominate just me being like half Chinese, half Japanese, going to um, somewhere like that and trying to get on a team, you know, as like an American, but like as a Japanese American or Chinese American, but I was so burnt out. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to try to figure out like something. And then maybe like, I'll end up picking up a basketball again sometime later. Um, but I was like, in the meantime, like, I know I want to stick around basketball, but I don't know what that looks like. And so luckily when I literally had graduated, I remember the girl who was the equipment manager, video coordinator at the time, and she was the boss of the ball kids. She had reached out and she told me that she was leaving because she was taking a new job. And she was like, I just want to, you know, like the position's open. So I ended up calling the director of ops, um, who was like the boss of the boss. Like, so she was like, not my boss directly, but like the boss of my boss. Yeah. We still answered her though. And I called her and I was like, Hey, I only, you know, like I'm interested in the position. Like, what do I need to do? And she was like, you know, obviously I've been with the organization for eight years, damn near just being a ball girl. So they knew me. She was like, well, like we'll, we'll do an interview over the phone. And then like, blah, blah, blah. Ended up having an interview, got the job. Honestly, I was so scared because I'm like, I've never really had like a real job before. You know what I mean? And playing basketball, like I didn't get the opportunity for like internships because we didn't have time. You know what I mean? And so I was like, I don't know if I'm like, I don't know what it means to have a full-time job and not play basketball. Like, I don't know what that looks like. And so I was really scared. And I remember being like, oh my God, mom, what am I going to do? Like, I, I just don't know, you know? And so um, I ended up taking that position. I know you asked about social media, but it kind of like segues into that, right? Um, it's uh when I took the position um again it was like okay maybe this is like the way that I'm gonna stay in basketball but not actually be playing I ended up hating uh, like not the organization I ended up hating that side of basketball like the I never really saw as a player you, sometimes like players will never see that side of basketball whether it's coaching or operations or whatever there was way too many politics for me um on that side not that I was necessarily involved but that I just seen and I was like oh my god if I stay on this side of basketball like I think I'm gonna hate the game and I did not want that and so I was like okay I have to figure out another way that I can stay in sports but not like either on front office because I was close enough, but I was like not involved in front office, but I still seen how it worked. And I was just like, yeah, I don't like the side of basketball. And so I ended up leaving and working in marketing at Nordstrom for four years. Um, and then I was sitting in a cubicle and I was like, okay, well, this is not basketball. 
this is not for me, but I was still learning so much like working in corporate. And again, growing up, my mom was like, you're going to be a doctor, a nurse, you're going to work in corporate, or you're going to do this. Like those were the options. Like being a social media influencer wasn't a thing. Being like an entrepreneur was not very, you know, people did it, but it wasn't like as common as it is now. And so I was like scared. It was like 2018 and I was doing social media on the side. I was getting paid pretty well from like little posts here and there. And I was doing the bare minimum. I remember I did like a thing for Puma and my paycheck for one post was like what I got paid in a two week or like for like the month of me working at Nordstrom, 40 plus hours a week. You know what I mean? And I was like, hmm, if I like put a little more effort into this social media thing, I'm doing the bare minimum right now and I'm making really good money. Imagine if I put like full effort into this. And again, this is like really before like being an influencer was a thing. I remember I sat my mom down and I was like, Hey, cubicle life isn't for me. I've been doing this long enough. Like, I don't want to do this. Like I want to do social media. And she looked at me and she was like, I was so scared. Cause if she would have told me, no, I would have still been probably working at that job. But she was like, okay, like, I don't really know what that looks like. I don't know what that means, but just promise me you'll always have insurance. And I was like, okay, bet. Went back to my desk. I put my two week notice and the rest is history. I've been doing it full time ever since. Um, but because of my relationship with the WNBA and the Seattle Storm is what kind of brought everything back full circle. Um, because when NBA started to dabble into like seeing how they could utilize influencers when they came to Seattle, there was a game here in Seattle where I think it was Sacramento played, I think Golden State here for, it was the, the last game that they played in the key arena, which is where the Sonics played before they tore down the arena. So Katie came in played back in the arena before they tore it down it was the last game and nba was like oh we want people from seattle somebody from seattle that can like help push the game blah 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 and again they were still like learning about influencer stuff um but that is how i got my foot back in the door with nba WNBA, and then kind of the rest is history yeah I, I think a lot of people they don't realize too with like the equipment managing and stuff it's like with on the WNBA side, like usually like on the NBA side, there's like four different people that do that one job. Yes. But with yes. like WNBA, literally you're wearing that one hat, you're booking the hotels, yes. you're booking the, the rental cars, you're booking the, the players that are there, you're booking their apartments, you're, you're helping their, you're helping find school for their kids. You're literally, you're packing shoes. You have to make sure that, and then also people don't realize that there's four different uniforms. You have to make sure you're packing the first uniform. And then like each of the players have their own thing. Like, you know, Jewel Lloyd likes a knee pad. This person, so it's like, literally you have to do all these things. Oh, and like, yeah. And then like, literally like if something goes wrong, even if it's not your fault, like it's, your it's fault. still your fault. Literally, but like on the NBA side, there's one person that handles travel. There's one person that handles accommodations. There's one person that helps like um, that whole transition period with the families or like helps you find, like there's some, there's like four people, but there's- like Please let everybody know because I don't think that they understand yeah. that there would literally be like eight equipment managers for an NBA. Yeah. Like literally whatever, if like, if you ever, unless you're like a coach or something, unless you're not like a coach or something and you work for the WNBA, I promise you, you do like five jobs. Okay. Yeah. Like one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad that you like call that out because that's a real thing. And like, again, you have to know every single player, what they like. And it's like, I remember I see so stressed out because making sure that every piece of laundry was dried perfectly. You know what I mean? Nothing was wrinkled. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. socks were falling off of the loops. Like those little things, like, oh my God. 
Yeah, because even like when it comes to doing laundry, like you think like, okay, you put the stuff in the washing machine, you just leave it and you go and do all these things. You go home, forgot to put the stuff in the dryer. And now it's like, why are these things not one there? And then two, it's kind of like a lot of people, one thing that I don't like is a lot of people use the WNBA as a stepping stone to do NFL or NBA. And I think in order to work in the WNBA, I mean, it's good to have like aspirations and goals, but I feel like in order to work in the WNBA, you have to be like truly passionate about the league because on those days where you're wearing the hat of five other people, it's kind of like, you have to remember like, okay, I'm doing this, but I really want to see the league, you know, expand and things like that. It can't be one of those things where it's like, okay, um, the men's college team, they're not letting me do stuff. So let me go do stuff with the women's basketball team and just hope that somebody puts me on. I think like the people that work in women's basketball have to really like it for what it is in order for everyone to kind of be like a cohesive. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's, it's very true. And you really gotta like love your job. You know what I mean? Because like I said, you're doing 75 things. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it is a very special space, but yeah, it was like I was the first person at the gym hours before, and I was the last person to leave hours later. So yeah, it was a lot. That's tough. Um, well, shoot, well, I, I think I, I didn't even know that. So y'all just taught me something on the pie. You know what I mean? So you learn something new every day. Um, but I wanted to kind of ask you, kind of take it to a present day when it comes to the content creation space and the influencing that you're doing today, right? Um, you mentioned how like when you were doing the original job right like you hated it it was like you know dang that the this isn't really what i i want to be in basketball but this isn't really it you know what i mean and i feel like today when people see the term like influencer or, or content creator right they think oh man you just get paid to post or you getting you get that, that, that job sweet but there's also a lot of stuff that goes on within that industry and in that space that people don't consider whether it's burnout or you know creative block and like you don't have a conventional workout it's not like when you're doing content, it's a nine to five. All right, five o'clock, I'm done with this content. It's like, nah, sometimes you might got to stay up till 2 a.m. and edit that video or or submit it to the brand. Then they might send you three, four edits that you got to fix. And it might be weekends or Sundays or whatever the case may be. So, like, kind of shed light on now that I guess, you know, hindsight is always 2020. Like, since you've been in this space for so long now, um, what are some of the things that you've kind of experienced that people might not consider when they think about, you know, this this industry? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I mean, obviously, I am beyond blessed to do what I do, have the schedule that I have. Um, and I know people always like people that aren't a content creator or an influencer. Oftentimes, they're like, yeah, your life can't be that hard. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, you're you do content for full time. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen girls on TikTok get roasted because they're like, oh, you have no idea what it means to be an influencer or do content. And it's like, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, what, what, whether people see that firsthand or not, you know, when, and it's a lot, I think for most people can speak to this, that it's a lot on the mental health. For me, I am super big on mental awareness, mental health, all that stuff. And like, you really don't get a break. You know what I mean? A lot of people use social media as something they do in, you know, their downtime that they just sit on when they are bored or things like that. But it's like for somebody who's creating content, like you're constantly having to be on social media. You know what I mean? Just keep up with the trends to see what's going on, to stay relevant, to to keep up with current, you know, events and things like that that's going on. Um, 
And so again, like I said, I am very blessed to do what I do and I wouldn't change it for the world, but that there's just, sometimes it just sucks because there's like not an on and off switch. You know what I mean? Where I wish I could just completely fall off the face of the internet for a little bit and just like decompress and get my mental together. You know what I mean? Like when I'm having a bad day, like I just like, there are times where like, I do not want to be on social media or I just like literally, and people are like, oh, just deactivate or, or like delete your Instagram or like the, I mean the app. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? Cause I'm like so tempted. It's still there. Like there's just times where I just want to, you know what I mean? Like I have bad days. I'm human. You know what I mean? And so I think that's like the number one thing is making sure that you're just maintaining like a good mental, you know what I mean? Like you're going to good mental space when you're on these social media platforms and then like bringing yourself back to real life you know what I mean like I'm big on making sure that you're like living in real life you know what I mean a lot of influencers and content creators um their entire life is social media and I try to maintain like a work-life balance regardless of if you guys if people see that social media and posting on social media isn't like work like for me it is you know what I mean and I think aside from the mental health aspect I think the other thing that's really hard is like the financial stability. Um, and when I say that, it's like for me, and I can't speak for other influencers or all of other influencers, but you'll have like really good months and you'll have like all these deals. And then you may have like two to three months where you really don't do anything. You know what I mean? Or you um, don't know where your next deal is coming from, you know, and that can be very stressful. And so making sure that you're, you know, being very responsible with your money and things like that, because it's like, I learned early on, you know what I mean? Like, I'm getting so excited that I'm getting these big checks. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to go out. I want to go shopping. I want to spend, but I'm like, then I get two months in, I'm like, damn, I don't, I haven't had a deal in a long time and I'm still living off these other checks. You know what I mean? And so the financial instability is like kind of scary. And again, now that I've been doing this for so long, I've been able to do better money management, but that is like one of the things I think that people don't talk about all the time is that a lot of social media content branding and things like that is very inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that people forget too is like a lot of times, like it's not like, so for instance, when you were working at Nordstrom's, you knew, okay, on the 26th, I'm getting X amount of money, direct deposit. Sometimes it might even hit Thursday night, like whatever. But like with influencing, there's net 30, there's net 60, which means like literally I I might've done this content on February. Well, February is not a good month to use. I might've done this content on March 1st, but literally, if the company really wanted to, they could wait until March 30th to give me my money. And so at that point, the the rotation of when I was supposed to pay my car note has already passed. When the other bills were due, the, the phone for ones for the I'm still on my mom's phone, but for the ones that aren't, <laughs> the phone has already gone. So it's like, and then God forbid you do a net 60 and it's like you posted that video in January. It's about to be spring. The company still has not paid you. So I think a lot of people think that like, oh, you know, and I feel like too, that kind of puts a little wrench in how you can plan because if you know you're getting this check on this this week and then this next check on that week, you know like, okay, this week is going to be the check that I pay my bills with. The next check is going to be like what I call like my fun check. I, you know, can go out to eat. I can do this. I can buy these shoes. I can wait in line for this product. I can do different things. I know this is my fun check, but like with net 30 and net 60, you have no idea. Is it going to come on the 20th day or is it going to come on the 30th day? So like really just planning so that you're not just like SOL at the end of the month. Isn't there a net yeah, 90? 
Is there yeah, a net? That 90, yeah, net 90 exists. Yeah, there's and net even, 120. Yeah. And good luck even being on a net 30 because there are handfuls of companies who will not pay you on the net 30, even though you like sign a contract that says net 30. And a lot of it is based off of like, if you didn't send your invoice on time, if you didn't, you know what I mean? They go based off of some, most companies that I've worked with are go net 30 from when you send and they approve your invoice. So it's like, if like I'm under an agency and, uh, uh, well, we've, I've since moved to a new agency, but the one before, like they were not very consistent on getting my invoice out, like as soon as I completed, like, or posted. And so like companies, like say my agency had forgot to send the invoice, they send it two weeks later. Now I'm getting paid two weeks on top of my net 30. And this is like net 30, like 30 business days. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah. even on 30, like good luck being paid on time. That's treacherous yeah see now but i'm glad we're having this conversation because i think that these are the type of things that people don't take into consideration when they think about influencing and, and content creation and, and things like that and um i want to kind of add to too because i also feel like um a lot of people on the flip side right it's stressful and there's a lot of things that are going on but there's also a lot of money in content creation and especially in today's day and age because it's like People are kind of getting brands and companies are getting away from having, you know, putting money into commercials or putting money into like billboards because people aren't really watching TV nowadays. Like they're tuning in to YouTubers and their favorite, you know, content creators on Instagram and TikTok and things like that. So it makes more sense for these brands, these businesses to pay people who are going to advertise their content through word of mouth as opposed to putting a 30 second commercial. People are just going to flip the channel anyways and go to the next show that's on. You know what I mean? So, um, I want to ask you, you don't have to get into specific as far as the brand, but like, what is the most money that a brand like offered to pay you for a job? Just to kind of give people an idea of, I guess, the fact that these brands do have budgets for these type of jobs and for these type of opportunities to market their products. Uh, it varies, right? Um, probably... I usually don't like to talk money just because I it's just hard because there's even girls that like have less followers than me, but potentially could get more paid more, you know what I mean? Or like I don't like to just boast about things. Um, so I mean whatever you, I, what you can see, what what was I guess your reaction when you got that first like big check and was like, damn, I didn't know this amount of money was even out there. Yes. Yes. So yeah, so I just I just don't like to talk numbers just because it's kind of like I don't, I want, I don't want to come across as like bragging or boasting. And I know that sometimes these big deals aren't, um, the typical deal, right? My biggest deal that I got was insane to me. Um, and let's just say that it was probably like normally what I would get in like two, three, four campaigns, you know what I mean? And I got it in one right. and I was like, I was in such shock that they were paying this much. And I was not the only influencer. I was, there was multiple of us. And this was like a campaign that they did with two different groups. You know what I mean? Um, and I actually had asked uh, the marketing team or the social team, like, like, honestly, like, how did you guys get this budget? Because again, to me, I was like being paid that much for a brand you know what I mean? Like campaign, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they basically were like, it's crazy, but they were like the costs for commercials. And like you mentioned, like co commercials, billboards, things like that 
are so expensive and I don't think people realize that. And they were like, actually, like, do you know how much money we saved by using influencers and content creators? And so me in my head, I'm like, y'all are spending so much money on this. Like, that's insane. And in their heads, they're like, we're saving so much money and we're still getting like the same amount of views, if not more views and more eyes in a new network by using content creators, as opposed to, like you said, like not many people are seeing commercials and billboards and looking at magazines and newspapers and things like that. You know what I mean? And so in their head, they were saving money, but that just goes to show like, and, and again, I've been in this space for six years, you know what I mean? And so this number still wows me, you know what I mean? And I can only imagine like there's big creators way bigger than me that I'm sure do those numbers on campaigns you know what I mean but to me and the space that I'm in and what I do like that number is still very surprising to me yeah so yeah I mean just I the thing about it too is like with these brands like these brands have money they have a lot of money you know what I mean sorry to cuss but I say that to say it changed my perspective on things because when I thought I was like asking for too much money or um, when I thought that I was asking for something that was like unreasonable, when I got paid that amount and they broke it down to me, like actually we save a lot of money by using content creators. Like I was like, hold on, these big brands have been lowballing me. Like they, <laughs> they, they're, they're probably laughing at me. I'm like, oh, this is my, this is what I asked for. And they, they're, they're probably, they come in, a lot of brands will come in too and say like, okay, we offer you X amount. And I'm like, okay, no, that's under my rate. Here is this. And they're probably still laughing at me like, well, that's way b- below what we were going to, you know, offer her, but she offered this much money. So this is what we're going to give to her. You know what I mean? And we still save 10,000, 20,000, whatever dollars by just lowballing her and then her coming in with a you know what I mean like her rate so I mean I said to just say like don't sell yourself short you know what I mean and shoot for the stars the worst thing they're gonna say is no and come in maybe lower which you know I was I've always had this thing where I always say aim above the target because if you fall short like you will be right on target and that's kind of what I see with like the money thing it's like you ask for something high maybe you know what I mean that is reasonable and if it falls short, you're still like in that, you know, of what you're going to, like what you would do a campaign for. You mentioned your, um, how you were with one agency and then you moved to another. So just like, I know a lot of people, like when they think of agencies, um, they think of like either this new wave of like, um, NIL agencies trying to get athletes, different things, or they think of like, um, how like actors and sportscasters have agents, but like with the influencing agent space, I guess like two part questions. Like my first question is with all the influencing agencies that are available, how did you realize like, okay, this is the one that I wanna go with? So that's like my first question. Then my other part is how much of it is agency connections giving you different things versus connections that you already have because you before you signed to even the agency before before you signed to an agency in general you you probably had you know connections here and there or like you know sometimes it just comes word of mouth it's like okay me and my friend do influencing she just did this thing she threw my name in the hat so like how much of it is like a group effort I guess as far as like things that you've done and then stuff that the agency does on its own. And I guess second part to that is how did you go about choosing which agency you felt like um, would best represent you? Yeah, so I'm gonna be honest, I'm not really signed, I I guess I call it an agency, um, but they're not, they weren't really an agency, like they're more like a talent company. Um, They mostly represented athletes. Um, I was their first influencer. 
And I had been through, I really had, it's like, I don't know, I guess like the roles, the the terminology, things have changed. I've always had like a manager um, who I looked at as somebody who um, managed, helped me manage my calendar, um, who helped me do my deals, things like that. So I, there is like, obviously like a gray area between like what an agent is and what a manager does. You know what I mean? Um, And I was like, it was like during COVID, I was like looking for new representation. I wasn't sure what that looked like. I wouldn't know if I wanted to go and like try to be part of an agency. But again, like at that time, agencies were still kind of a new thing for influencers like there was people that I knew that were signed to agencies but it was because they were doing like acting stuff as well um so they were signed to agencies like CAA and things like that that represent like NBA players and WNBA WNBA players and they help get those players into like acting roles commercials things like that and that's why I knew some influencers that were in that space but I didn't qualify in that because I wasn't really doing anything outside of brand stuff um And then I was approached by, um, so Dave Robinson is from Seattle. He had a manager that he was working with who basically told Nate like, hey, like if she's looking for like representation, like I would love to represent her. And it was like perfect timing because I was looking for a new representation. And so um, my manager, his name is Polo, worked for a company named Playmaker. Um, And again, like I said, they were like, they're like a sports company um, and they cover a bunch of different like betting comedy memes things like that as well as like sports you know what I mean um and he worked under them and they created kind of like a talent group but we weren't like exclusive to just only playmaker stuff you know what I mean or I couldn't do I could do deals outside I wasn't just exclusive to them and the reason why I signed with him was because one I was he didn't make me exclusive so I could still technically do deals on my own you know what I mean or outside of him two was that I trusted Nate. Nate said he was great. You know what I mean? So I knew somebody who had already worked with him and Nate mentioned that he got him, you know, like deals and was great at negotiating things like that. And that was like one of the things that I felt like I needed help with was like negotiating deals. Um, and then three was that I was the first, as I mentioned, I was the first influencer on their team. Everybody else was like athletes. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of like a one-on-one in this space, which I think will be beneficial for me. So I was like, I mean, I'll try it out if I don't like it and it's not beneficial for me, then, you know, it is what it is. Right. Um, and so I ended up signing with him and like, what, when was COVID like 20, 2020 or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, um, that is why I signed with him just because I was like, you know, this could be cool, um, to be part of you know, I'm still in the sports space, but I'm the only influencer that space. So that's what I, maybe I'll just get more opportunities. Now, when it comes to deals, and I know this is like kind of like your second question, um, I'm going to be honest, 90% of my deals come to me directly. So I get an email or a DM where brands are contacting me to try to work with me. And then I push them to my manager. My manager takes them. He negotiates the deals. You know what I mean? He finds out the details. Obviously he knows my rates, my analytics, all that stuff. Um, However, I will say that he's great at maintaining relationships, relationships, which I think is very important. So like we're able to reach out again after we do campaigns. And I've, I like to say that I like to work with companies more than once because it just shows like, you know what I mean? Like they like your work, they appreciate what you do. You know what I mean? And obviously it must've been beneficial for them. if They want to go back and work with you. So 90% of my deals come to me. I don't, I know that for other influencers, it's like opposite where agencies are always pitching them and they're getting deals that way. But for me, specifically 90% of my deals come through email DM and then my team executes or polo executes. 
yeah, I think it's really smart that you went with a situation where you're the only influencer, because I think a lot of people don't realize that it's kind of like friendly competition within the agency. Cause it's kind of like, okay, when a brand comes to them saying like, Hey, we need somebody for something. They have a pot of eight people that they recommend. But if a brand comes to them and they're like, hey, we need an influencer, you're the only one there. So they put all their eggs in you and they sell you versus you having to compete with the other influencer on said agency trying to get that deal. Instead, they're just like pushing you and it kind of like, you know, helps you lock that in to kind of like, you know, X out the middle man's like, hey, this is our go to person. She's great. You know, go with her. So I definitely do think that that was smart for you to go somewhere where there isn't, you know, a lot of people doing what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, like I said, because I was their first influencer, it was like a, a lot of like learning lessons, right? Because most of like his previous deals were like with athletes. And so it wasn't much, so much they had to pitch anything because brands know if they want to work with the athlete or not, right? Because they go directly for them. So it's just a matter of like finding out who represents them. You know what I mean? But as me, it was just a little bit different. And like I said, I've just been like very lucky that 90% of my deals have come to me and then I've pushed them out for him to execute. You know what I mean? But like you said, like if there was ever brands that reached out to them, it was like, okay, here's our number one influence or, or pretty much our only one, you know what I mean? And now it's evolved. So they definitely represent other influencers, but it is like, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was very nice to be like, okay, I was like big fish, little pond there. Cause I, or the only fish in the pond for influencers. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So my question is like, you know, before you had an agency or a manager, right. That's kind of helping you navigate this stuff. Right. Um, how do you what, what advice would you give i guess for somebody who was trying to maybe be in this influencer space and trying to secure brand deals right um would you recommend somebody get an agency and then kind of facilitate excuse me like partner up with the agency and have them kind of try to facilitate opportunities and deals um would you recommend just kind of pitching brands like what do you think is the best best path for somebody who's trying to um blaze this you know career trajectory but they don't really know how to get started or um, how to work with some of these brands, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think that an agency makes sense for some people. I know that there are a ton of more options and agencies that are out there now than when I was looking. Um, and I guess if it makes sense for you, I think that you have to do your due diligence to make sure that the agency makes sense for you. I mean, a lot of these agencies are taking really big cuts and I don't think that a lot of times they're necessary. Like, yes, if you are not well-known and you are looking for exposure, I think that's where these agencies really thrive, especially agencies that have built relationships and have maintained relationships and they just have a bunch of brands on their roster too, just like they have influencers, you know what I mean? And so like these brands go specifically to these agencies for, you know, their influencers, right? Um, but if not an agency, like that is not the only way to get seen. Yes, it can help, but there's so many platforms that exist that you can literally go and kind of like, there's, it shows like a list of like campaigns that are available and you can like apply for them. You know what I mean? And if you're not, you're not getting all of them, but you're still putting yourself out there um, where you can like, again, like apply for campaigns if, if, if you think it makes sense for your brand or whatever. Um, and then not only just that, but like, you can also pitch yourself. Like, so I always like, again, it is a little bit, the, the market's a little more saturated now, but that is the advice that I would give is again, hopping on websites. Like there's like, obviously is one of the websites like, um, influential, I think is another one. Um, 
I can't think of all the names, but if you just like Google, like influencer platforms and things like that, you can literally go and you can sign up and like submit yourself for different campaigns and Hey, you make it chosen. If not that, then like literally going on people's websites and searching at the very bottom to see if like there's emails for partnerships or collaborations or, you know, affiliate programs like those also I know have been helpful to other people so it really just depends where you are in the space what you're looking to do and um you know because the market is so saturated right now even getting into an agency is just and finding representation like there are like you have to have like a certain amount of you know like you have to make sense for the agency too to take you on you know what I mean so if not that then just doing your own due diligence by like emailing brands signing up for those different, like I was like signed up on like, and I still am on like 10 different of those like kind of websites where they shoot you campaigns. So like, Hey, we think it'll be a fit for this. You should sign up or just going on. And you can like, look at the dashboard and see, again, like I said, like all these different campaigns that you can like potentially sign up for. And it'll ask you like, do you have this many followers? Are you in this location? Do you do this? You know what I mean? And if it fits your profile, then you can apply for it. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to ask you like, obviously now, right? Like you're, doing these NBA events, WNBA events. You work with a ton of, you know, different things, Hulu, eBay, right? Like, um, I think from the outside looking in, man, like it's, that's, it's super dope to be able to go to these places, go to these events, you know, you're going to the NBA finals, all-star weekend, but it's crazy when you're going to these places and it's like, yeah, I'm here, but I'm here for work. You know what I mean? And it's like, you get to do these different type of crazy things and it be your job. You know what I mean? So like, what are some of the favorite events um, that you've been able to work or some some things that you've, I guess, been able to do um, that, I guess, you reflect back on and like, dang, like, that was a super dope opportunity or a super dope job that I was able to do? Yeah. Every and anything NBA, WNBA has been amazing. Um, I think probably the top two in my book right now is the first WNBA All-Star that I ever attended, which was in Vegas. And that is when I got to interview Kobe. Um, that is probably my top two. And then I think the most recent thing um, that I've done that has been amazing was I did the NBA draft. Um, and so I got to interview all of the essentially like the lottery picks um, and then some um, with Starry. And then I got to be on the red carpet at the draft before the show, I got to walk on the stage and pretend like I was getting drafted. Like that was just really cool. Like everything is, every experience um, has been amazing and I'm so grateful for it. And I've learned so many different things, just being in these different spaces, but yeah, anything NBA, WNBA, um, anytime that I get to travel, um, I've done some cool activations where I've gotten to go to like music festivals. Those are really cool. Cause it's not in my typical thing that I'm normally doing. Cause it's not necessarily sports, but it's still in like lifestyle culture. You know what I mean? And I feel like that kind of falls in the umbrella that I'm under. Um, but honestly, any opportunity that I get to travel and, you know, be in a different city and experience something cool has just been amazing. What was it like interviewing Kobe? It was crazy. Um, I didn't know that I was going to do it. My role that weekend was literally, I interviewed all the W girls um, on media day about their sneakers that they had on. We had this like little platform that they had made. It was like a little mini Vegas and they shot like they had their foot on the, the little platform and it was like literally like their shoe was like way huger than like the strip or whatever. Anyways, I interviewed all the players, um, asked them what sneaker that they were going to wear for the game, why, all that stuff. And then um, on the day of the game, they pretty much wanted me to like go and talk to any like NBA players, any celebrities that were there 
And again, and I was like there as like a WNBA kicks representative. So I was literally there just to talk like all things kicks. And so I got interviewed Chris Paul. I interviewed Jamal Crawford. I interviewed uh, Monte Morris. And then um, before the game, I got there early. I actually was getting ready in the bathroom in the arena. And I was like doing my makeup. And I remember I heard a little voice and she was like, um, she was like, is that like, can I use the sink? Or she asked me some question like that. And I turned around and it was Gigi. And then I, um, like it was just us in the bathroom and she just asked if, you, obviously nothing crazy. She just asked if she could use the the sink. Um, Cause I was like getting ready. And it was like literally like one of those bathrooms that has like one stall and then there's the, the sink. And then um, I went out and, and the, my NBA rep was like, yo, Kobe's here. We're gonna get you in literally two questions in and out, nothing else. And I was like, okay like I don't know what I'm gonna ask but okay and I remember it just being like and that was probably like the best situation because had he told me like the day before like you're gonna interview Kobe I would have probably freaked and obviously I was only talking sneakers so it was like I don't need to think that crazy about it you know what I mean but because I got thrown in like literally so fast it was just like don't think about it just go and ask the same questions you're asking everybody else and get in and get out and don't bother him because you know what I mean like he was there to watch the game with his daughter and so I was like I didn't want to interrupt I didn't want to bother um but he was so nice so humble um and it was just a, a blessing but it was, it was really cool great memory definitely that's awesome Very yeah. I was doing something, I'm like how do you prepare to even ask Kobe questions because like the journalist in me is like oh damn I got, to, I got Kobe I gotta figure yeah. out something crazy to ask him you know what I mean yeah, yeah it, again, like I was I was literally there to talk to sneakers so it's like you can only ask so many you know sneaker questions so it was like honestly it's my first time interviewing him let me just pretty much asked the same like everybody pretty much got that same one question was like what sneakers you got on and you know why another question that I asked a couple of the guys was like um when you're getting ready you choose your sneakers your outfit first like those are the kind of questions like they people want to you know hear answers to and then I think the other question I asked Kobe no it was the other question I asked Kobe was just who was excited to watch um because obviously him being a huge women's basketball advocate you know what I mean um he was he was super excited to be there and actually like enjoy the game that's awesome. You said that was through WNBA kicks. What was the. Yeah. So it was through WNBA, but like uh, WNBA was really pushing like WNBA kicks at the time. Like NBA has. like okay. NBA kicks. And so like, okay. I was like, kind of like the rep, like I helped do some of the first things. I know WNBA kicks really isn't like a huge thing now. Um, obviously they still highlight the kicks, but it was like its own little hashtag, everything. And like mm -hmm. at one point we did like a sneaker bracket at the end of the year where everyone voted on like the best sneakers of the w they haven't done that in a while but i helped do some of like those first things and so like that was like kind of like a test thing that we did at wmb all-star um but it was yeah it was really cool so for the people who don't really know like kind of what goes into the like you know in your bio right you have like nba wmba host right so like when the nba or the wmba let's let's take all-star weekend for example like if they were to fly you out to work all-star weekend Right. What does that actually look like? Like, what are some of your responsibilities? What is your job like as a host when you're there? You know what I mean? Like, um, I feel a lot of people might see that and be like, oh, hmm, host. Like, what does that what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, can you just give kind of a rundown of like what a typical day would be like on the on the job um, working for the NBA or the WNBA? Yeah, it really just depends um, because every time I go out, it's never for like the same thing. Right. You know, you look at players like I'm not players. Excuse me. You look at pe like actual like hosts like Taylor Rooks and things like sports reporters they like they do pretty much very consistent work in every situation at every game you know what I mean they're doing the reporting they're doing talking they're interviewing the players right mine's a little bit different because it's just like kind of like uh 
a need basis, right? So it's like, if I'm doing something branded, like I did with Starry, we did like a rapid fire uh, questions. And then there was like a big Starry question at the end. You know what I mean? And then sometimes I'll go in and I'll just do like quick interviews for the NBA app. And they will just tell me like, hey, like we just want to highlight again, a lot of stuff I talk about when it comes to NBA, WNBA is a lot around like kicks and things like that, or like lifestyle stuff. It's thank God I don't need to talk like numbers of like basketball and things like that, because like, that's never been a thing for me. You know what I mean? Like, obviously I watch basketball. I know basketball. I can talk basketball, but if you're going to ask me numbers in years and how many points someone scored at this time, I got, I can't answer that for you. You know what I mean? But that's why it's really nice that I get to talk like lifestyle sneakers, all that kind of stuff. Cause it's like, I can talk about that any time of the day with anybody, with anything, you know what I mean? And so, um, there's not like a typical set schedule of things. Um, it just really depends like what I'm getting or like why I'm there, what the ask is. Um, but it's typically just like around sneakers, you know what I mean? And then you go into a weekend, like all-star weekend and you might just get booked to do one of the events, you know what I mean? And you have nothing else to do work-wise the rest of the weekend, you know what I mean? Or like you'll have one full day of something. And then I know for like all-star weekend, it's really big um, when influencers go or content creators go. Cause I know a lot of the people like my peers will go and they'll, they'll have like a bunch of different brand deals. So they'll do something with Nike and then they'll have something with NBA and then they'll have something with like, maybe like a liquor company or they'll do something with junior NBA. You know what I mean? Like people like to stack the stuff that they do as long as it's like not conflict of interest. You know what I mean? Like, obviously they're not gonna do like something with Adidas and Nike, you know what I mean? But they're just like stacking their stuff for the weekend. And usually people are like, well, pitch themselves like hey I'm already going to be at all-star weekend do you have you know a paid opportunity you know here like they'll know a brand that works that they've worked with before and they'll just hey I'm already gonna be at all-star weekend I know you guys have an activation if you guys have any opportunities you know what I mean like let me know yeah shoot I'm no I'm, I'm it's I'm glad you said that too because I'm like I said this is my I'm about to be going to my first all-star I'm like dang I'm trying to figure out how I can network and get into events and like all that kind of stuff so I need to do a little bit of research to see like what events are going to be going on um, and things like that to see what I can get into. But um, I think, I think one thing that you said that I think is really important is like, you're talking about culture. You're talking about shoes. Like, you know, the game of basketball is so much more than just what's happening on the court. And I think now more than ever, right. If you look at the game, right. We always talk about on, on on all facts and on this platform, like the, the fits and how like the, the NBA tunnel has become like a runway for like fashion. And you have, you know, celebrities sitting courtside and it's like a whole spectacle. Now I feel like there's so many players that are doing different things, whether it's YouTube and content creation and acting like the game has come such a long way from back in the day where it was like, Oh, you know, if you're not playing basketball 24 seven, you're not focused. It's like, now it's almost encouraged to like be diverse or to, I guess, talk, just be, be more um, well-rounded. So I want to ask you kind of being an influencer in the space and kind of being somebody who's pushing that culture forward outside of basketball, where do you see the game going, you know, um, in the next couple of years as far as um, just continuing to grow in other areas and intersecting, you know, fashion? It was crazy. Like, even now, like, the NBA has a partnership with, like, Skims. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy that things like that are happening, you know, um, in, in 2023 and now 2024. I think it's only going to continue to grow when you see – um just these athletes that are showcasing other sides of themselves other than basketball I think it's great I mean when I was working for the WNBA um I was doing my social media on the side um again it wasn't full-time but I still always had my platform and I was like 
at the time encouraging like some more players like Alicia Clark she played for the storm um and she is like an amazing cook and I was like girl you should be like doing like YouTubes or like letting people know like you have like there you are something because a lot of people look at athletes and like you said like they're like you are only an athlete and that is all we want to know you for we don't want to you know what I mean like that is all you should be doing that's all you should be focused on like why do, what are you out partying for? You're not a human being. You're an athlete. You need to do that. You know what I mean? But I'm like, there's so much more to these players than just the sport. Like who they are outside of basketball is like so much cooler. You know what I mean? So much more important. And so like, I was always telling her like, you know, like you should highlight these things, like do a YouTube, do something, you know what I mean? And so, and now to see her like doing that, you know what I mean? And like, doing videos, doing Instagram where she's cooking and showing herself outside of sports. Like, I think it's just great that people are getting to know these players off the court, because like I said, there's so much more than just a basketball player. Like there's a lot of these players are super talented, like musically, creatively artists, you know what I mean? Like there's just so much more depth to them than just what people see on the court. And so I think that with them highlighting things like fashion and things like that. Um, like you mentioned, like the Skims partnership, I think that there's just going to be more partnerships um, with more brands, you know, like with the WUC um, last year, I think they did like a partnership with like some of the players at a partnership with like Glossier, you know what I mean? Like I think makeup partnerships, hair partnerships, like those kind of things, you know what I mean? Cause like you look at these girls, they have like perfect marketing, you know what I mean? Opportunity when these girls are wearing lashes and them lashes are perfect at the end of the night, you know what I mean? Or some girls, you know, wear makeup and it's like, oh, they sweat, but look at their makeup is flawless. Like there's so many opportunities for marketing and brands and companies to like work with these different athletes and open up a completely new market. You know what I mean? So I just see the future being like a lot of partnerships, a lot more expansion, again, a lot more highlighting, you know, the lifestyle part of these players and just getting to know them because I feel like that's really what fans want, whether they admit it or not. And you obviously you have those fans, like I said, that are like, mm, we only, you're supposed to basketball and that's it. We don't want to hear what you think about politics. We don't want to hear social stuff from you. You know what I mean? We don't care what you think about what's going on in the world. You know what I mean? Like stick to basketball. Right. But it's like majority of the people do care about what they have to say, what they think, what their hobbies are outside. And I feel like the more people especially like fans get like an insight or like a behind the scenes of like who these people are the more like bought in they are the more you know invested they are and I think that that is so valuable because you know when followers or fans feel like they like know these people personally and like people give them like an insight of those things like it just makes them even more of a loyal fan so I just see everything growing and like I see you know like I said you see um some of these WNBA players getting like TV shows and things like that. So I think it's just, I think it's great. And I think it's just going to keep growing. Yeah. yeah. I think part of what you said too, it kind of also takes like somebody being in the room. So like when Glossier was thinking about partnering with WNBA all-star, somebody on that team had to say like, Hey, all-star game is coming up. We should see how we can get involved. It's not something that just like, happens and I think that's another reason why it's so important to have like different minority women in these spaces because obviously you know the WNBA has so many races in it so I feel like in order to you know races nationality all types of things in it so I feel like it takes having that minority woman at the table when Glossier or, or Miel um she just partnered with the WNBA and Angel Reese like it took someone in that room to say hey 
this is a market. And even with people talking now with um, with the Super Bowl, now that they know all these girls are going to be watching because of Taylor Swift, now you have Elf buying in and you have all these different beauty brands paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for these 30 second ads because they know these girls are going to be watching. Not saying that they that'll determine if they buy Elf or not, but obviously people are starting to be aware and saying like, you know, I guess too, like one of the main things I miss, like obviously your hair is green. So like what, what, what was that decision? Like, how did that go as far as like, you know, I'm going to dye my hair green. And like, when your parents first saw it, like, what was that react? Like, how, how did that whole thing, like from idealization of, Hey, I'm going to dye it green to, Hey, mom and dad, look at what I did. Like, I need to know from the beginning to the end, like, how, how did that go? Yeah. Uh, I've been dyeing my hair, honestly, since I was like in middle school, it obviously started out with like, just like little blonde streaks, you know what I mean? And then in high school, I started to dabble in a color. I had this hairstylist who literally, he was gay. He was flamboyant. And I loved him. And he worked in the salon where my mom got her hair done. And my mom's um, hairstylist is more conservative, you know, but my mom would drop me off and I would be like, yeah, do this color. Like I want this color. And he would be like, I don't care what your mom says. Like, I will do it. You know what I mean? And so like, we used to like, push like you know the boundaries with her early on and so like in high school I was like I had red hair I had orange hair I had purple hair you know what I mean and so like fast forward to 2018 like green was like mm, you know what I mean like in college I had a full red hair you know what I mean I changed it so many times and I think so like in 2018 I had seen a girl on Instagram who had like green hair and I was like oh my god that's so cute like I've never seen it on anybody before like if I would have dyed my hair again like and at this time I was like I had taken so many years to go platinum blonde and so I was already platinum blonde which is like really the hardest part of like coloring is like getting your hair super super light I remember this hairstylist reached out to me and he was like hey have you ever thought about coloring your hair I think you should do it and I was like he was like have you ever thought of green I think it'd be great on you and I was like oh my god this is a sign from god I literally responded back immediately and I was like, oh my God, I've been wanting to dye my hair green. Like, let's do it. And he was like, this is like Friday night. I'm responding back to him. And he's like, okay, I can get you in tomorrow, Saturday at 11 o'clock. And I was like, bet. Went in and the rest is history. Um, like I said, it was like, I already like tried my mom in high school. So by this time I was obviously grown, she was like literally not phased. And honestly, the green has just been become, become a part of the brand. And I think being associated with a color is so valuable when it comes to marketing. And uh, I have people hit me up all the time. Like, oh my God, I seen this green thing. You need this. Like they're constantly sending me things that are green. Oh, I thought of you. You know what I mean? So to be associated with a color is really something special. Um, during COVID, I dyed my hair blue. Nobody was messaging me and saying like, oh, I seen this blue thing. I thought of you. You know what I mean? Oh, I seen this. I thought of you. Like did not get that at all with blue. And I was like, okay, something's something's not end up I need to go back to green like that was like the brand that was like what made me different and um yeah so like I said like just to be like associated anything people see green like they're always tagging me and sending it to me and so um yeah I guess kind of like a part two to that how do you think being in the influence space influencer space how do you think that really just helped you kind of just be your authentic self because I feel like if you still like let's say you 
stayed at Nordstrom's in marketing and let's say you kind of just moved up the ladder there. They might not have been as welcoming to green hair, tattoos, eyelashes, nails, all of that. But in the content space, it's more so like, hey, we actually want to use her because she has all these things. And she looks like the average girl. You know, most of us don't. Now it's kind of flipping because it's like before it was if you had the nails, the lashes, and the hair, it was you were the eye one out. Now it's like if you're super conservative, super covered up with the suits, like even like as sports reporters going to the games, we don't wear suits with heels anymore. We wear dunks, a graphic tee, whatever. So like things are like, it's kind of like if you're conservative now, you're the oddball out. So like, how would you say just kind of creating your own career path and just influencing? How do you think that kind of helps you show up for your authentic self without having to think like, what is this person going to think about me doing X, Y? Yeah. Uh, so at the very end of me being in corporate, I did have green hair. I always had tattoos, um, but I did definitely try to like hide them. Um, but the Nordstrom culture, um, obviously when I went in, it was obviously super corporate, but, but like towards like the tail end of like when I was like leaving, the culture did shift a little bit. Um, and so I definitely, definitely pushed the boundaries there too. You know what I mean? Like I, people looked at me all the time. Like I was crazy. Like, why was I there? I did have long nails. I had tattoos and I really feel like I couldn't fully be myself. Like the way I dressed at work, I was like, ew, who are you? You know what I mean? Um, and so being able to be an influencer, um, and getting able to be myself fully, like, it's like a way to like separate myself from the rest, right? Because um, there are other influencers, you know what I mean? But it's like, oh, I'm the green hair girl with lots of tattoos, you know what I mean? And so it's like easy to call out. Um, but it's just been really nice to be in a space where you can fully be yourself and be asked to represent brands as yourself. And I think I forget that too, again, coming from just uh, growing up and again, my mom being like, you know, like I said, I'm about to turn 35. My mom growing up was like, you could be a doctor, you could be a nurse, you could be a firefighter, a police officer. You know what I mean? Like those were like the things that you can work at a retail store. You know what I mean? You can work at Target. Like these are the things that you're going to do and you really can't have tattoos in corporate and things like that, right? That's like what I thought, you know, was life. That's what I thought a career was going to be. You know what I mean? And so even now when I step in rooms, I'd be forgetting because I'm like, I go to events and I'm like, oh my God, do I got to dress up? Do I need to like be formal? You know what I mean? Because these are like, professional events but I'm like no like they see your Instagram that is who they hired that is who they invited to these events that is who they want to see if you show up in a three-piece suit they're gonna be like who are you why are you dressed like that you know what I mean like we wanted you to come because you are an individual you do stand out like this is why we want you in our room you know what I mean and so I think that it is again just a blessing that this influencer space, you can literally be whoever you want. And there is some audience for you. You know what I mean? And there's people that are going to love you um, for who you are. And I feel like the more individual you are, the more different you are, the more you, you know, step outside the boundaries. You know what I mean? Like, people like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> the last uh, question I have for you before we kind of have some quick hitters, have some fun and then get you on out the door um, is... I think you said something that was like kind of super important just now about, you know, okay, people say you could be a doctor and you could be a lawyer, you could, you know, be a retail, you could do all these different things. It's like super traditional, right? And I think that's what we all are taught in school, right? You know, go up and go to a four-year university and get your degree and then work at that job and retire and that's it. You know what I mean? And to be somebody like yourself who's blazed her own path, right? Who has the green hair, the tattoos and the nails and have have kind of created your own identity and your own career, your own image outside of kind of 
the norm, right? You are, you you know, being a, a woman in sports, right? Which is also obviously something that is, is rare and is growing now, but being able to excel at that, right? Like, how do you reflect on what your career is today, you know, versus what you once thought it would be when you were that hooper in Seattle, you know, with, with Hoop Dream was trying to, you know, become a pro, right? Like, how do you reflect on everything you've been able to accomplish from the events you've worked and the money you've been able to make and the partnerships you've been able to, to acquire and looking back on it now? Yeah, I mean, I just look at everything with a bunch of gratitude, right? I'm just super grateful to be where I am, to work with the brands that I've worked with, to be in the spaces, to be in the rooms that I've been in, to meet the people that I've met. Um, not only grateful, but just super blessed, you know what I mean? And just looking back, it has been um, a process. It still is a process, right? It's still like social media is constantly, constantly changing. Uh, the space is constantly changing. There's more and more people trying to get in the space. You know what I mean? So um, I just look at back at everything and I'm just like, obviously everything that I went through is the reason why or who I am today, why I am where I are, where I am, where I, why I am where I am right now. You know what I mean? And everything I went through, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. There's a reason I did not go D1. There was a reason why I did not continue to play basketball. There was a reason, you know what I mean? Why I ended up in corporate. Just if I didn't go to corporate, I maybe I would have never figured out that this was the path for me. You know what I mean? So I just look back as everything is just like a learning lesson. Um, I don't look at anything as like a failure because I feel like if you learn something, then it's not a failure, even if it doesn't end up the way that you thought. And so again, I just look at the whole process and back at my journey as just, you know, a, a just huge learning lesson. Um, and hopefully it's something that I can, um, you know, take what I've learned and pass on to other people and just share my knowledge and share what I've learned. Um, so either people don't make some of the mistakes I made or that they can, be bigger than me, better than me. You know what I mean? Like the next generation is like, you know, we have to look forward to. Love that. Love that. Um, all right. So we got a couple of quick hitters for you and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up and, and get you one out the door. Um, the first, first one I got for you is what was your first big splurge um, when you first got your, the, that your first, I guess, big check, you know, I, People always ask the people in the league, like, yo, when you got to the league, you first hear your name called, nah, 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 nah. What's, what was your first purchase? Was it, you know, a car, a house for your mom, the Birkin? Like, what was what was your first splurge purse that you, that you uh, excuse me, uh, splurge purchase that you made when you first uh, got, got some money? Mm, that's a hard question. Um, man, I don't really know what it was uh man maybe it was like a designer bag or something that I bought for myself um my biggest purchase was I, I bought a condo in uh 2016 um so that was like a big splurge I guess for me you know what I mean but it was if we're talking material things it was probably like a bag or something I, I don't remember um but uh the one thing I always told myself was like I'm going to save up and I'm going to buy a Rolex and I did that uh two years ago um and so that's probably like my biggest purchase but it wasn't my first purchase like obviously I was like young with money so I'm like uh, or a little bit of money you know what I mean I'm like oh this is my money I can spend it how I want to spend it so yeah probably something like designer or something that I did not need uh okay um, you've been very vocal about your, you know, your taste in music. I know you're a big, big music lover. So I need your top five, your top five artists right now that you're listening to. Mm. Top five. I love Lil Baby. 
I like Drake. Uh, uh Love Burn a Boy. Love Burn a Boy. Um, currently, man, who else have I been listening to? Dang, if you would have asked me before all the beef, I would have probably said Nicki Minaj again, but uh, no. Uh, I, I can't even listen to her the same anymore. And who else would I say? Mm, I I still listen to a ton of like Summer Walker and I love Mariah the Scientist, so. Okay. Oh, Mariah the Scientist. Did you hear her wonderful jail call the other day? Oh my God, yeah. I'm not even mad at her because like, Let's be real. Like a lot of girls have those same kind of conversations on the one-on-one. I feel like that was just not our business. Um, uh, and I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I've probably said some cringe things to my boyfriend. So. <laughs> hey, listen, the way I seen that, I said, dang, man, look, young, young thug, you might got to stay in jail because I, I need Mariah to <laughs> like that. No cap. <laughs> girls are lying if they say that they don't act like that with their man on the phone. And if they don't, then. You know. If you ain't if you ain't if you ain't if you ain't calling me on the phone talking about how much you love me, you know what I mean, daddy if I get baby, then <laughs> you can keep it. You know what I mean? Oh, now that's funny. All right, so next one, next one. All right, so you you're going out at night on the town with the girlies, with the girlies. What's the ideal night out? What y'all getting into? Mm. In Seattle, probably dinner and back home, maybe a hookah bar, because there's not really anything to do um again if you would have asked me like three years ago it would have been like I honestly really hate going to dinner before I go out but if you would ask me like years ago I would have said like going out or like dinner before then going out and then like somehow making it to after hours and then getting back home again now if you ask me in Seattle dinner hookah maybe go home um but yeah it's uh, if I'm out of town, it definitely is a different story. Cause I'm like, like I said, I get that burst of energy and I'm like, let's go. But then I don't know. It's, it's tiring. It's, it's been repetitive. I've been in the game for a while and I think I'm like halfway partied out. Like I said, unless I'm like a weekend, like all-star where it's just like these big events where you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, all-star weekend or summer league. We're talking purely, purely vibes, purely vibes. Which one are you taking? Probably All-Star Weekend just because uh, it's like everything crammed into like one weekend, whereas like Summer League is kind of like a spread of two weeks. Two weeks? I think it's like, yeah, like a two-week uh, time frame. It is fun. I think the, I think you're asking me one or the other, but like the nice thing about uh, Summer League is like it's in the summer. It's in Vegas. You know what I mean? It's hot. Like I, I could literally, I'm a Pisces, so I love the water. So I could literally be at the pool all day. Um, but in terms of just like, everybody being in one space all-star weekend and there's just really cool activations and events that are happening in like a really small period of time yeah yeah okay okay i love that love that love that all right um so last question we always ask all our guests is who is somebody who we should have on the what's in your bag podcast next and whoever you say you got to get in your yeah, uh, J Kid bag. You know what I mean. I get you, Jason Kid point guard bag, and give us the assist and help us get them on. Uh, probably KJ Wright. Um, she is the sideline reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies. Has become a really great friend of mine. She's amazing. Um, I absolutely adore her as not only a friend but what she does. I think she's a great reporter. I think she's a great moderator. I think she is a great host. Um, and she can talk all things, anything. Like I've just, 
the way I've seen her work is is crazy. Like she's so talented, so great at what she does. Like you could literally throw her in. Um, not to like blab on because you didn't ask this, but like I worked, I did a, um, some like hosting stuff for OBL, which was the ones basketball league that Tracy and Grady had yeah. about this past year, but the year before, um, okay, we needed a color commentator and a, a, another sideline like commentator. She was in town for summer league. We were in Vegas the end of summer league. It was like right after summer league, we had our championship uh, one-on-one thing in Vegas. She was in town. I was like, hey, we're looking for a commentator like I think you'd be great this is my first time actually like seeing her like in the flesh like doing what she does yeah. she came in knew nothing about the like the she did her research she spent the few days that she had to do her you know her due diligence came in and killed it like she was just so professional you would have thought she had been doing OBL the entire time and yeah she's just super talented and she's just a great person outside of that and so 10 out of 10 recommend and we will get her on the show Say no more. It's funny, man, because Sydney, uh, Sydney last week recommended her as well. So yeah, we we like, I got pictures from All Star Weekend of all of us. Like we're a little trio, you know what I mean? Like we get along really well, um, compliment each other really well. Like you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to go out with girls and like have a good time without any like like those girls are so unproblematic. They're fun. They have a good time. Um, yeah, love them. Love them. All right, so we got two. We got two for KJ right, man. So we got to make sure we get her on the show. We got to make that happen. We definitely got to make that happen. Okay, but, um, but man, this has been a wonderful episode, a wonderful conversation. Um, I would like to give people, you know, their flowers, man. I think that uh, I guess somebody who I think has done an exceptional job. Number one, at transitioning from basketball into that next career. You know what I mean? I don't think that a lot of people who listen to this understand how difficult that is. You know what I mean? To transition into something and to excel at it. You know, and I feel that's something that even I'm trying to navigate now and still playing and doing this podcast stuff. It's like, it's hard, you know, so definitely hats off to you for being able to navigate that and um, blaze your own path in this, in this industry now as somebody who's unique and who's absolutely killing it. And I think you're somebody who owns their own identity and somebody that a lot of people can, can look to for inspiration and can learn a lot from. So um, I definitely thank you for coming on today. You know, we really appreciate it and um, definitely look forward to continuing to show love and and, ho- oh, and I'll hopefully see you at All-Star Weekend. So we can hopefully be able to meet, meet in person and connect and um, chop it up down there in Indianapolis. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You guys have been great. No doubt. No doubt. All righty, guys. This has been another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, like we said at the beginning of the show, guys, make sure you like subscribe, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, it goes a long, long way about, you know, just getting the good gospel of the What's In Your Bag podcast out there. But until next time, folks, peace. Suave. Been in my back for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly now. Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.